já viu rico namorar pobre? Time again. Say Lati is back, and you know the drill. I am here with my two favorite co-hosts. We have the sensational Sherry Thompson. What's going on? And he's got his nipples out today. The incomparable Shane Howell. <laughs> Bitch, they are out. They're out. I didn't even notice. Well, I mean, I did notice because I put this shirt on, but I didn't think you could see it in the video. So as a visual, it's one of those 80s cutout shirts that all of your uncles wore, like a muscle tee, but like there's no shirt. It's like a tank top, but like no arms. Do you know what I mean, Pod? It's really yeah, just a shred. It's a shred of fabric. <laughs> I love it. I, I think it's lovely. I'm in my house. <laughs> Okay. I want you to be in my house with that shirt on. Um, okay. So we have a great episode for you all today because it appears that the entertainment industry is up and running again after a very slow and dry year. Um, we had the Emmys yesterday, but before we get into that, I would love to hear what are some of the things that you all are consuming? You guys already know the thing that is we've been talking about it for weeks on the podcast we've talked about him on the podcast many times Lil Nas X dropped his like new album Montero it is fucking amazing it's so so good like I think part of me was like holding off because I was like I don't there's all this hype behind it I don't the, like an absolute nightmare would be it releases and it's just mediocre and it's the farthest thing from mediocre it's bold it's progressive like it's bops like the production value is through the roof like the features are amazing the lyrics are great like it he he showed the fuck out it's it's like bitch this is album of the year so far like <laughs> I honestly could not agree more. I The thing I love about Lil Nas X is people label him as a troll and say he does too much and like all this stuff. But you know what you cannot argue with? That is talent. And Lil Nas X is a very talented individual. He understands music and he's delivering us. He's giving us pop hits that we have not seen from a rapper since Drake honestly. And so it's very impressive what he's been able to do. And the music, regardless of what else everyone else thinks is noise, the music itself is so great. And the visuals, oh my gosh, what is Shane, please, if you can remember, what was the name of the video where he was a football player and he's in the locker room? It was no, that's just, what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want, <laughs> which is, I think, my favorite song on the album. I love that song. Lost in the Citadel is mine. At this point, I do like Lost in the Citadel, too. But the visual for that song is just so moving and it's just in your face in a way that we've never seen before. And it's so funny because I don't mean in your face like for the sake of being in your face, but we get to see a same sex crush in love develop in a way that we see heterosexuals do all the time. And we should just accept that as normal. And I love it. He doesn't make any excuses for it. All of it from a black man, no less. Like, Right. I think that's my yeah. recommendation, too. I'm going to co-sign. I love that. I mean, yeah, that's co-sign, co-sign away. Oh, I guess it's my turn. Look at me trying to bide for time and don't have any. Okay. Well, mine is actually um, Bailey Syrian. Um, so if you know Bailey Syrian, she does makeup and she talks about murder mystery and makeup. And basically she created her own podcast. She has like millions of followers on YouTube and I just love her. She's super, I don't want to say goth. I would just say uh, dark. And I just love watching her do these vibrant looks and talk about true crime just on Facebook everywhere. I watch it. I don't even care if I've seen the episode before. I just... She's one of my favorite influencers because the girl can really do her makeup. She just won a streamy, I think. It was presented by Nikki Tutorials, who we talked about last week. Um, yeah, so mine is that. 
So check her out. It. That's very cool. Okay, so let's just go ahead and call out the elephant in the room. The Emmys happened th- this past Sunday. And I am not going to lie. I was not as excited as I normally am about an award show coming on. Cause I just feel like coming off of this year, we're still, I feel like we're dragging, like we're stuck in the mud. We just can't seem to get out. Like life is just not as exciting when it comes to entertainment, but you know what? Sherry and I, we posted up, we watched it together and there were some things that were interesting. So first let's talk about the sage and the way that the things were set, the ceremony was set up. There was a lot of mixed reviews online and I personally liked it. I thought it was a really intimate feel and it just made it seem like we're in the middle of a pandemic, but appropriate. It was giving theater, and I think that's what confused some people. It was giving breaking the fourth wall. What's the name of that uh, theater setup? Oh, God, I've been out of... Thrust. Oh, Thrust. Thrust. Thank you, Thrust. Thank you, Thrust. It was a Thrust stage, which I think confuses people because they are uncomfortable by it. I think everybody that's ever on a Thrust stage is like, where do I look? And I think that's what confused everyone. But I liked it because of theater. I don't know that, like, Thrust staging is the best for an award show and it's like something i've never really given thought to until like actually until you just mentioned it now i didn't even know that was like discourse about it and like it makes sense though like for an award show you're thinking like more presentation like thrust is involving you and what's going on and it brings the theater closer to you and like it sits people around you it feels more like communal which is interesting for an award show but for a show that's like literally about presentation, like on stage, like that's interesting. I've never like, I can't think of another time that I've actually noticed like a thrust stage. Um, me and Sherry were talking about what the dress code of the Emmys is. And I thought this was a really funny kind of formula we came up with. <laughs> and basically you have the Oscars is prom. And then you have like SAG Awards, uh-huh. Emmys and Golden Globes are like homecoming. And then the Tony Awards are your eighth grade dance. <laughs> Bitch, you better. <laughs> Do you know how this came up? So what show won and everybody came up on stage and Amanda was like, what is that guy wearing? No, it must have been. It was Ted Lasso. Um, and this guy, he was in this mit- mismatched period costume. I'm talking about the pants look like they were from J.C. Penny Husky section gray. Not he was wearing J.C. Penny. I said what I said. <laughs> I'm not shaming them because I used to shop there too in the Husky section. Yes. I, surprise. Okay. So then he was wearing like, remember the pants are gray. They look a little baggy. The, I don't think they were supposed to. Then he was wearing like this tannish brownish vest, right? But the vest wasn't long. There were people from London that were in a full cummerbund in full like black tie bordering white tie attire. This man had a vest on that was barely covering his stomach. Then he had on like, was it? He had a cane. It was so he looked like the peanut man. You know who I'm talking about. He should have had a monocle and this really outrageous top hat. It felt like five costumes happening at once. And he was like, perfect. Let's wear all of this together. Serving me Fiddler on the Roof meets Newsies. I mean, you did say that it was theater. Like, maybe he was just, like, trying to, like, match the crowd. But, like, That's why you were like, oh, he's at the Tonys. Yeah. Don't, no, don't these people my issue people is not the fact, no, Not all of them. My issue was not the fact that he was wearing a costume. My issue was with the fact that he looked like he bought all of those <laughs> items from a costume shop like sample sale. You know how at the end of the season, they're trying to raise money for the next season's costumes. They're like, everyone come in. All you can fit in this bag, just pay us $20 and you can get everything you want. Like that's where he bought his outfit. And then he was safety pinned into it. College theater (laughs) doing a purge. Yes. 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 The Halloween sale. You know what I'm talking about. The crotch was for sure musty or had a hole in it. Like it was bad. (laughs) This is a segue, but I need y'all to know, and they might arrest me for this, so we don't have to talk about like the exact school that it's at. But I one time stole a wig from a school to be Amanda for Halloween one year. 
and I don't know where that wig ever ended up. <laughs> I think I have that picture. If I That's find it, the best costume ever. That was the best costume ever. And me and Sherry were both so shocked. Yeah, because someone else was me, and they came to Halloween as Sherry and Amanda. Or and we went to the costume shop and we said, "Get bitch, get these wigs." And we snatched the wigs out of the out of the out of the cabinet. I don't know where they ever ended up. They're probably still on the floor of the house party we were at. Well, I can tell you one thing. I can tell you one thing. A friend from the Emmys, he got his stuff from that same costume shop. So y'all have something in common. <laughs> Those costumes from Guys and Dolls. Oh, no. No. I'm not doing this with you guys today. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, you're right, though. There was this person looking like she was straight out of 2001. You know what I'm talking about. She was wearing like a crop two piece gown, which is back, except it had that metallic fabric that you only wore during prom. You know what I'm talking about. And it had like the little um, embroidery and beading that is very early 2000s looked like it was pulled out of an estate sale because let's let that look die okay like it was it was a mess damn was, sherry drag her girl <laughs> well she had the body for it too and i was like it's just it's the fit like why are you wearing this this is 20 years too late i don't know who am I to talk? Okay, Honestly. last week last week was for discussing the fashion. This week we need to actually talk about what happened at the Emmys. And one of the major Fine. critiques of the Emmys this year is the fact that people are now accusing the Emmys of being so white. So let's backtrack. If you don't remember, months ago when Emmy nominations were announced, the whole entire world was jubilant. We had. of the acting category filled with people of color as nominees. We were all so happy. The black children were, were in the streets singing, Oh, happy day. Like it was, things were looking up fast forward to Sunday and you know, the Emmys just kind of just farted on that whole feeling because yes, we had the largest number of people of color nominated for Emmys, but literally basically every single one of them lost and did not win their awards. So that is, I guess, awkward for them. Awkward for me. It was awkward for all of us and the internet cannot stop talking about it. It, Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's sort of like a, I don't know, like a bit of like an edging, like, oh, look at all this diversity that we now have in the nominations. But then like we actually get to the categories and there are definitely some choices that were made for the winners that are like kind of questionable. And like that always happens at the Emmys, I feel like, but especially like whenever it's coming off of like a celebration of like, you know, the most actors and actresses of color that we've had. And then, you know, consistently the undeserving person wins. <laughs> Do you mean the white person? Yes, usually it's usually the undeserving person is the white person. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut in really quickly okay. because this is an Im- interesting talking point that I saw on social media. So a lot of people are wondering why people are so upset that people of color didn't win the awards. And they bring up the argument that at that point, are we simply giving people awards because they're people of color and not because they are the best person in this category? And I do think that's an interesting question and something that is to be discussed. It it is interesting. And like, I, I feel like for some categories, like, listen, the lead actor in a drama series was Josh O'Connor from The Crown. Um, you're telling me that he beat out Billy Porter or Sterling K. Brown? I don't I don't think so. Um, or even Jonathan Majors. Like, listen, I know we had our problems with Lovecraft Country, like as a series, but like Jonathan Majors was great. Like he was fantastic. Josh O'Connor, like really? Like that's 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 the winner of that category. Um, I don't agree. I think on the contrary, though, there's another big one that a lot of people are talking about, which is the uh, outstanding lead actress in a limited series or um, TV movie. And like, 
in that case, you had Kate Winslet from Mayor of Easttown, you had Elizabeth Olsen from WandaVision, and then you had Michaela Cole from I May Destroy You. And listen, Michaela Cole and I May Destroy You destroyed me, bitch. Like, she's incredible. She's amazing. Kate Winslet won the award. I also think Kate Winslet was absolutely incredible. And I think that her performance in Mayor of Easttown was like transformative for her as an actress. That's one that like, I understand the voting behind it. A lot of the other ones though, like it's, it, I don't know. It seems like it went to some, it could have, it, it could have and should have gone to the, the actors of color. Okay. So my thoughts on this are, I agree when it comes to the Michaela Cole and Kate Winslet conversation. I think Michaela Cole was brilliant and I may destroy you, but honestly, it was more than just Kate Winslet that got her to the win. It was the overall production value that was mayor of Easttown. And I don't think we talk about enough the fact that people of color, we're not in projects with as, as large of budgets. We're not working with actors that are as acclaimed. It's like all of that plays into an individual actor's performance. And thus Kate Winslet ends up winning the Emmy. I think if we were to cast actors of color in projects of equal merit, then they would be able to win. And what's unfortunate is now we have Michaela Cole who has had to literally fight tooth and nail to even get a nominee at the Emmys for a project that was basically like an indie budget. And it's like, how is she to compete with, with the production that was Maribie's town? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just no, not a fair fight, which is unfortunate. And I think that brings up the conversation of equality versus equity, right? Where like equality is, you say to people like everyone can apply to this job. Right. And all of the people apply. There's tons of black people. There's tons of Latinas and there are tons of white people. And the white person gets the job because they're more qualified and they've had better schooling. And that's why they end up getting the job. Well, that is because of systematic racism and the black people and the people of color were never in a position where they could get the job on merit because of the rest of their life. And I think when we talk about equity, it's leveling the playing field, right? It's not just saying anyone can apply or anyone can be nominated. It's like, how do we make it so that it's a fair game for everyone? And I think that's the conversation that needs to be had, not just when it comes to entertainment, but just really everything. I think you just nailed that debate like that. that may, I mean, it makes complete sense. You're, you're absolutely correct. I, can only hope that this <laughs> this year continues to be a step forward in the direction that like I I know so many people that have finally like who didn't even had never even heard of I May Destroy You until the Emmys that are now like, oh, I feel like I need to watch that because of all the talk around Michaela Cole specifically um, and her speech, which we'll get to. But like I I hope that I hope this is, does not continue to be like an issue in the future. And I hope that like nominations like this and, and this exposure to these stories is what can help like finally like push it to where there does become like a level playing field. Um, Cause you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like I mean, the budgets for Mayor of Easttown versus I'm sure aren't even comparable. Like in, in the, the scope of their audiences. The yeah. Look at the cast. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if I'm acting with Evan Peters and Jean Smart, bitch, best believe Jean Smart's pulling the best acting that she can right out of my ass. Like, of course, she sure I'm going <laughs> to get an Emmy. An Emmy, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not it, the conversation. It's almost laughable when we're having it now because it's like, well, of course she didn't win. How could she? Like, obviously, I am upset about MJ Rodriguez, though. I'm going to go ahead and say that on the record. Listen, listen, I... I'm real upset about MJ Rodriguez. I, I part of me really thought maybe it was going to be, it was going to be her time. And like, I, God damn, like for the, which in, in general, I, the, the story line, not the storyline, but the story of pose as a production is so upsetting to me in so many ways because I think it's a show that does not get near the credit and the recognition and like praise that it deserves. Pose is absolutely incredible and like it was forced to end on three seasons and like I it could have kept going but like it exposed this 
this side of like queer culture, but specifically like queer people of color and like the trans story and like everything about it was just like giving voices to stories that we don't see on network television. Like, and just, it's, it's, it disappoints me every time I think about it. Like, but in the case of MJ Rodriguez, like she completely like encompasses all of that because she deserved it. I'm literally getting to the point where I cannot even talk about this anymore. And I was listening to you guys talk and I was like, is it even worth it for me to pipe in and just be negative Sherry? Like I, like, am I to be, am I expecting too much? No, I think a lot of people are exactly where you are. And it's from discomfort that I think we beget change. And I know that it's difficult because it's like, well, when bitch, because we've been uncomfortable for so long, but I, I don't know. I think continuing to have their conversation, like the fact that MJ Rodriguez was nominated is huge because she's been snubbed before for a nomination. And that just came from a lot of people just being uncomfortable with the fact that justice was not served. I think what is really hard with the MJ Rodriguez situation is the fact that so often we see when marginalized people get their chance, it seems like the one chance. And it's like, you almost know it may, there may not be another chance for her. This was almost like the one, you know, and that shouldn't be, it should be a situation where we know we're going to see her again and she's going to be nominated and she's going to win. But unfortunately we're not there and it's heartbreaking and it's just, it needs to change. Well, especially whenever you look at the fact that the winner of that category with MJ Rodriguez was Olivia Coleman for the crown. And it was her last season of the crown, but at the same time, like she was nominated last year and didn't get it because she lost to Zendaya. And listen, Zendaya and Euphoria is amazing. But if Zendaya from Euphoria can beat out Olivia Coleman and MJ Rodriguez can't propose, like, are you fucking kidding me? I... I completely agree. Also, is Jack digging to China? Where was he going? Yeah, I was trying to make a point. Jack's over there trying to dig his bone into the hardwood floor. So, <laughs> so that's Jack's where we're Jack said, I'm getting out of this fucking country. Like, get me the hell out of here. <laughs> he said, I hate it here every minute of it. Okay. And yeah. also, let's just talk about the fact that once again, British people have beat us at our own game. Damn it. They win everything. Why? Because they care about the arts and they educate their actors in a way that treats them as professionals. And we're just over here saying, well, I woke up one day and decided to be an actor and I slept in a bear carcass for three months. Like, what the fuck is wrong with this? We are a joke to the <laughs> But I think there's acting. also I think there's also a certain prestige that the Academy gives to British actors, though, in a way that like like what we were just talking about. Olivia Coleman, there is no denying she is fucking amazing. Like Olivia Coleman is amazing. I just had to pause for a second because I thought you were coming for Olivia Coleman. I'm happy no. that you are not. No, no, no. So no, Let literally me, Olivia Coleman well, literally shit on the stage and I'd be like, that's absolutely incredible work. But I think that like that's the difference when your government funds the arts. Yes. Yes. Of course. We wake up one day and we're like, we're going to be actors. Of course. Who else is going to do it? With no tools. So we're like, oh, my character's tired. I'll be sleep deprived and show up on set where I could potentially kill all of my co-stars. Like, what are we doing? I interrupted you, Shane. Please, please continue. I mean, no, that was bad. I mean, that was, that was essentially the point that I was hammering home was like in terms of like resources and what they're given. But like, I think at the end of the day, like there is a certain prestige given to like the Olivia Coleman's. Um, whereas like MJ Rodriguez delivered just as emotional and raw of a performance in pose. And like, I think had so much more to say as a performance than Olivia Coleman did in the crown and that's not shitting on the crown and especially I love the in crown. this last season i love the crown but it, i mean it wasn't olivia coleman's best season in my opinion just based it on the material well it wasn't her season at all it, this season was the first time they split the show up where it's like season four of the crown was not about elizabeth ii it was about diana and it was about margaret thatcher like that was not olivia coleman's season like it just feels like they gave it to her because they were like oh well she's done doing it so like we have to give her the award now because she lost it last year to Zendaya and Euphoria. And it's like, 
I don't like when we do that kind of shit over and over again. And that's, <laughs> once again, it's not we talking do about that kind of shit for white people. We don't do that kind of shit for people. You're of color. correct. Yeah. <laughs> people of color. It's like, damn, that was the only time that you will ever be nominated ever in the history of your life. Like, okay, well at least enjoy your nomination, girl. Like what? <laughs> Unless you're Glenn close. They do uh, that to her often. What like the it's fuck not did even Glenn close due to them. What did she fucking do to them? I need to know because you're absolutely right, Sherry. They don't give a Third. fuck about Glenn Close, and it is disgusting. Yeah, it's unbelievable to be honest. Like, and here's the thing: once again, not shitting on Olivia Coleman, but Olivia Coleman is decorated as hell, and Glenn Close is like I Glenn Close, but no cigar. Like, come on now, bitch. Like that's the title, Sherry. There you go. <laughs> listen, okay, but I, I gotta say, I didn't I didn't take that. I stole that from the lyric on RuPaul's Drag Race UK season that's okay. two. Like it, it's okay. It's okay. But it was hilarious. It worked. Also use it. Okay, so we can't talk about the Emmys without talking about Ted Lasso fucking sweeping. I don't watch Ted Lasso. I need to watch Ted Lasso. That's exactly my one takeaway from the Emmys. So actually, Ted Lasso, um, we were fact checking this before the episode because I work in a restaurant, as we know already, duh, bitch. Um, And all of the guys watch football. The only reason I know about Ted Lasso is they were like, we watch that's Ted Lasso. That's Ted Lasso. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? They're like, it's on Apple Plus. I'm like, huh? Apparently, he's some character on a commercial. Is that is that what it is, you guys? Um, And kind of like Flo from Progressive and Flo is quaking in her boots about how this could have evolved for her, but it did not. Um, And Ted Lasso is a coach. He's a football coach who ends up coaching soccer. Is that what I understand you guys? Yes. Okay. And yeah. And now this man has an Emmy and so does the show. Shit. (laughs) This is how, you know, I, I think part of the reason this got, such great accolades is because men were watching a very well-structured TV show and it was good for ratings and the Academy, the Academy and all of the unions gave a nod to it. I'm going to be real here because any other sports show, I don't think would have been as big as Ted Lasso because it was American football. I do think that you're onto something because I find that a lot of like my coworkers, for example, they're like not actors. They're not in the industry. They're just like regular people. And they're like, I love Ted Lasso. And it's great because it's like one of the only shows that I can get my husband to watch with me. Well, then there you go. That's where I was going to say, like, I think that it's also interesting. Like you compare sports themed shows, like you compare Ted Lasso to something like Ballers on HBO, which did not really reach that same critical acclaim. And that was like American basketball and it had the rock, but like, it just wasn't It's also American football. Oh, wait, I thought it was basketball. Bitch, I didn't even watch it. Like, see, that's what I like. That's what I I mean. Actually, fun fact. I was in the trailer for the first season, though. I think ah. it's it is interesting too though to look at like the network that they're on because or the streaming platform because like Apple Plus does not really have much else that they're like Ted Lasso the is by show? far their biggest well but the it's not show? it's not to this it's not to the size of Ted Lasso though. Like that's what it's like you Ballers on HBO is competing with so much good comedy and so much good drama that like I don't I don't know. They put as a, as a network, they don't put as much into it. Whereas something like Ted Lasso, like the morning show is great, but the morning show was affected by the pandemic and didn't come out until literally just like literally this past weekend for season two. Um, Ted Lasso just finished its second season and like, it's just completely knocked out of the park. Like it has taken that number one slot on Apple TV plus. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, of course it's taking the number one spot. Nothing else is on Apple TV. Like that's the truth. And also when men are watching things with women, because usually, I mean, co- correct me if I'm wrong, um, straight cis men, they don't really engage in the Oscars unless they're in the industry. I think for the first time they had a hybrid and it did really well. I think you're onto something. I mean, on that note, our next topic which we'll talk about whenever we get back from a break. Fuck you, Shane. I said I was going to do the segue. You didn't when see did me you... raise my hand. Sure didn't. Why aren't you writing in the chat? You want to do the segue? Bitch, you already started. So l- please continue. 
Uh, please well, continue. Okay, well, <laughs> on that note, with Ted Lasso being a, essentially a remake of an old commercial brought out to series length, we are next going to talk about a pretty hot topic in pop culture, film, and TV, and all of the above, which is this era of remakes that we are currently undergoing. But we will be right back after a quick break. And we're back. Okay. So we touched on it a little bit in this past segment, but we're talking remakes in 2021. They're a mess. Certified mess. I want them to stop. And I will pose the question to you two later. But let's talk about a few remakes. I've been saying that I want to try to watch He's All That. If we know she's all that, I love that movie. That is one of the movies that revolutionized my entire childhood. Freddie Prince Jr. was my everything. Now there's a he's all that with Addison Rae, sometimes starring Kourtney Kardashian. Um, We also have a uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air remake coming up. Candyman was remade, which I heard was really, really good. Um, That I will be seeing. I'm just over remakes, though. I want something new. Please. I need a new concept. We're in a pandemic. I need to feel like my brain isn't melting. What do you guys think? Am I being crazy? No. Help me out. I I would break this up into two categories for how I feel about remakes, quote unquote. I am not the biggest fan of like a true remake. Like we are going to completely remake this movie in a situation like he's all that what I don't mind because what I've actually enjoyed is a reboot of like an older series. So like Candyman, that is a reboot where it takes place in the same world as the original Candyman movies do the recent Halloween movies. Those take place in the same universe as the original Halloween. They retconned two through six. Um, Those sorts of situations, I don't necessarily mind because I think that there is, and this is going to kind of, kind of segue real quick, but like, it's also a big thing happening in video games right now where a lot of video games are being remade, um, as true remakes, but I don't mind it because I would love to get to play some of my favorite games from 10, 15, 20 years ago with modern day hardware and like modern day technology. While I don't want to see a movie completely just like remade from scratch, a reboot, like I think what they're doing right now with the Matrix, with the new Matrix coming out, like that situation, like the Matrix was great when it came out. I mean, I just rewatched them recently to get ready for the new one. And like, Jesus Christ, they hold up well. Like those were amazing when they came out for technology. But even so, watching the trailer for the new Matrix, I'm like, this was like this was made for like today's technology and film and like what we can do today. I'm a fan of reboots. I'm not a fan of remakes. Okay, my two cents here are we are remaking, in my opinion, the wrong things. So I think remaking something of like extreme quality and giving it a new twist. Example, West Side Story. West Side Story is an age old tale. If you have not seen the original movie, it is absolutely breathtaking. And the new Steven Spielberg movie looks gorgeous because that's a quality movie. Like it's a production and it was a musical and I think it'll be amazing. What we're remaking are things like Space Jam. Why, girl? We love to remake movies that were very niche and cult classic for the time. But that's what the appeal was. Like, that's why we liked it. Because it was made in 1996. I don't want it to be an updated version. It completely ruins the point. That's what I like about it is the fact that it's old and it's kitschy and it's nuanced for the time. Well, when it was campy and it was a cult classic and like if you're going to remake a cult classic, like that's your first mistake. Like a cult classic became a cult classic for a reason. It does not need to be remade. People are still enjoying it for what it is today. It's like remaking Clue. Please don't fucking touch it. Like there's no need for it. Like. Well, that's the issue with Cinderella. Have you guys read the reviews? Where's the long list? 
Have you? All I know is all. that they have the damn Idina Menzel singing "Am I Wrong for Thinking of Something"? <laughs> You're lying. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't uh-huh. seen it with my own two eyes, but my roommate told me that she watched a clip from the movie on TikTok, and Idina Menzel was singing that fucking song. Tell me, was it as bad as the flash mob in the jail? Street? Straight to jail. Jail. You're lying. <laughs> jail. And no, I they need to go to jail. jail. For vehicular homicide. Like, <laughs> you guys, James Corden is not doing well with his selection of musicals. We're not doing enough. And no, no, no. We're not doing enough to stop James Corden as a society. Honestly, as a, first of all, I wanted to bring this up. I brought this up to Amanda like last week. So I didn't know this, but the UK cannot stand James Corden. It's part of the reason that he moved to the United States. And now... We are like, what the fuck is James Corden doing? Because we thought um, his karaoke in his car was cute for a second. And everyone at the UK is like stupid Did Americans. We? we cannot stand him. I don't know. I went when he had Michelle Obama. I was like, OK, I think I have to like this. Um, Look at us collecting the UK's trash once again. <laughs> but here's the thing. So Olivia right. Paulman is not the UK trash. We she are lives in the UK. Next. She lives in the UK. You're, Next. <laughs> you're right. There you go. <laughs> uh, uh, you're not wrong. She didn't give them up. They didn't give her up. They said, no, she's fine. James Corden just, lives in Los Angeles, baby. <laughs> have y'all seen that clip of him turning into a rat with like the worst special effects I've ever seen in my life on yes, that I carriage? Yes, I see it. Have you seen cats? Nightmares? Like, yeah, you can't be... But, Cats is camp. Cats is camp. Like we gave cats the title of camp. Like I don't think Cinderella qualifies as camp. When did we give cats the the crown of camp? When did we do that? Not the crown. We just found it campy. You and I had a great time, and I think that like I don't think I'm gonna have that good of a time with Cinderella. It wasn't campy. It was fucking (laughs) terrible. That's why I had a good time. Please. I mean, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) I I never. Who gave cat? Who gave cats camp? Okay, maybe that's incorrect. Camp to cats. All right, all right, all right. Okay, okay. Maybe that's incorrect terminology. Restart. However, I don't think I can come back because Sherry's energy I appreciate. So I'm back. Thank you, Sherry. I'm here for it. And, and you're right. It's not campy. But the thing is, we at least had a good time watching it because of how bad it was. I think Cinderella is just going to be a god awful time because you know why? That movie is a money laundering scheme and they promised Billy Porter a cut. That's the only reason why he's fucking in that movie. Like, why the hell else would he be in that movie? I don't think it exists. I don't think, you don't it's think real. the movie exists. I don't think Cinderella is real. I haven't watched it. <laughs> I love I love that theory. That's incredible. I, I don't think it exists. It, therefore, it does not exist. <laughs> it ain't real. <laughs> the, but consider this. So I think there you're onto something, Shane. Conspiracy theory. Okay. So with cats, you had Sir Ian McKellen, you had Dame Judy Dench. They had them looking like a damn fool. This time they had Idina. They had Billy Porter and James Corden has been in the mix. Something's going on here. Why are you trying to make a, a damn fool out of these phenomenal actors all over the stage and film and TV? Why are we doing that? Okay. Is something going on here that I need to be attuned to? Is this a part of the Illuminati? Is this James Corden trying to kill his own career to get into the Illuminati? What's happening? I need answers. You're right. It's also you, know, you assuming that these are honor killings for the Illuminati. Like I can't deal I mean, with these. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. But I love what? the way you think. Illuminati sapuku. Like, come on now. I, I can find no other no other explanation. That's the only one I could find. Well, in this situation too, with Cinderella, it's like it's the it's the also the choice of having Camila Cabello play Cinderella. Let's also just go back. Let me tell you, I would have watched this movie if they cast Normani. I'd have watched it if they said Normani's playing Cinderella. I'd have said, okay. You really just did something to me because I now had to hold the funeral for what could have been. I am so sad all of a sudden. And you know that she would not be working with James Porter. Brandy already did Cinderella with the twist. I don't think I would have watched it because Brandy and Whitney already did that. Like, real talk. I think that's part of the reason they decided to cast someone who is Latina, but we already had Selena Gomez playing that role on Freeform about 10 years ago. Cinderella? 
On yeah, and also, and it also, was, everyone yeah. hates Camila Cabello, so that doesn't work. No one likes her ever since her Not and her and Sean Mendez, their publicity <laughs> relationship it's, killed both it's of giving, their careers. It's, it's giving share. It's it's giving it's giving share. I've been walking around my apartment saying that for two fucking days because of that video of Sean Mendez. Like, I, did you guys see that lie detector test? That lie detector said you were wrong. <laughs> She was not giving no, share. But that's fucking hilarious. Camila Cabello was not giving share. Like, you know, it's so funny. Never. I feel like both of them, both of their careers were totally fine and on the up and up before they started dating. Then they had their fake publicity relationship that has lasted years now. And it turns out that our worst nightmare has become true. And it's not a publicity. They fucking live together. And both of their careers have <laughs> suffered. No, he's no longer singing about stitches. You're right. I want to hear stitches again. I'm okay, so up in arms. as far as the remake conversation goes, let's talk about and just like that. I love Sex in the City. I think it's like a perfectly campy and niche television show that really needed to exist in the time. Do I think we need to bring it with us into the future? I'm going to go ahead and say I don't. And I'm hopeful. I hope that it's good. But in my heart, I know it won't be question okay so i am not a sex in the city buff i know shoot me in the head um not shoot me in the head oh my god i'm sorry i'm sorry is that too much i apologize i rescind but samantha's not in it right no so that's the thing like i am i am very hopeful for like i will say i i think it's interesting to take the sex in the city girls and put them in modern day um, because I think what the show did do correctly at the time and was progressive was for women and for talking about sex. And like, I think it's interesting to have 50 something year old women talking about sex on TV, um, in a way that's TV MA and like what they're known for with like their vulgarity and stuff, but they're getting rid of the character who like streamlined that in the original series, which was Kim Cattrall as Samantha Jones. So getting rid of Kim Cattrall, well, they didn't get rid of her. She didn't come back because her and Sarah Jessica Parker have some beef. Well, did she have a choice? It's kind of like when your employer says to you, hey, you can either let us fire you or you can resign today. And you say, fine, I'll quit. <laughs> like, they right. yeah, she really she have a choice? Yeah. But Kim Cattrall also, like has expressed many times a lack of interest in ever seeing or talking to Sarah Jessica Parker again. Like, yeah, they hate each other to work with her. They hate each other. But also when it comes to the series, I mean, who says no to money, baby, you know how much money they're getting fucking paid. If you're Kim Cattrall and you hate Sarah Jessica Parker, you're saying yes. What the fuck else is she doing right now? She's poor probably. So I don't buy that argument. It's called, she can't come back because SJP doesn't want her back. It's really her production. Speaking of money, why is Inspector Gadget making his wife work so much? Doesn't he have something to do? Inspector Gadget. I forgot that Matthew Broderick was Inspector Gadget. Oh my God, Sherry. The fact that of all the Matthew Broderick roles you picked, Inspector Gadget is fucking killing me. No, Inspector Gadget. I'm screaming. I can't do that. I can't with you. Go ahead and log off. Go ahead and log off. Okay, fine. I'm sorry. She's gone. We're finally safe because what the hell was that? Okay. Well, I don't know. I think we've just, we've discussed the remake reboot agnosium. I want it to stop. I really hope that it does come to an end, but I, something tells me that's not happening. So all of our favorite movies are going to be butchered and torn apart and we're just gonna have to sit here and watch if they touch clueless you guys really have to help me because i know because stacy dashes we have eliminated her she cannot come back into mainstream life yeah but so if they if they remake it i mean they need to leave it alone if they remake it with a new cast leave it don't do it right on the note of clueless you know that clueless did have a reboot planned right excuse no, You're I did lying. not know that. It, well, no, so it happened. So I was going to, the way you talk about it, I was like, girl, do you not know? So last last year, there was, it was announced she there was going to be a Clueless remake. She logged out. But, but as of like spring 2021, it was it was on Peacock. Peacock canceled up. Peacock said, we're not fucking doing this. It's terrible. So it's not happening. So you can come oh, back. Thank come God. on back. Okay. Well, 
I don't think that we'll get a reboot of Say La Tea at any time in the future because you cannot duplicate an original baby. And with that, we are going to take a quick break and we will be back with our segment Sexuality. We'll be back. And we are back with sexuality. I have to say, a lot of you all are really loving this sexuality segment. And, you know, we just try to do something interesting, new and spicy because um, we're bored. And I'm glad that you're liking it because we're enjoying talking about it. So thank you all for listening and giving your feedback. So my sexuality this week, I've talked to you all about how I'm single and I'm newly dipping my toes into the dating pool. And one thing that I've noticed is commonplace for straight men on dating apps is what I like to call pen palling. So basically you match with the guy, you talk for a little bit. He seems cool. He asks for your phone number. You give him your phone number. You're like, okay, let's move this conversation off of this app. And then you just text for an eternity. He messages you every morning. Good morning, beautiful. You have a small talk conversation that goes nowhere. You stop talking mid-afternoon. You fall asleep. You forget about said man. You wake up the next day to a text that says, you guessed it, good morning, beautiful. So I just want to fucking understand what the point of that is. I'm struggling to get what these straight men are getting out of this. Like, it's one thing if you're looking for like something casual or friends with benefits. My experiences, in order for that to happen, you would actually have to meet the person and have sex with them. So without there being any plans to meet up, like you don't even invite me to your house where I can say, okay, no, thanks. I'm not looking to come over. Like none of that. It's just good morning, beautiful every single fucking day until I die. So yeah. Does anybody have any answers as to why the fuck that could possibly be happening and how I make it stop? Well, I, the last time that I had this situation, somebody on Grindr, I like telling people this story because I think it sums up the gay community on Grindr pretty well. So one time somebody messaged me, um, And I like wasn't interested. So I just like didn't respond to them, which is what I usually would do. um, Because I assume people just take a hint. But then like somebody yelled at me one time about it and they were like, that's so mean. So I was like, all right, let me like change it up. And like the next person, like I will reach out. I'll like, I'll just say like, hey, I'm not interested. But like, you know, let's let's chat. Like I I can, I can be here for chatting. So I said, I was like, hey, I'm not actually like interested. This is a different person. And uh, I was like looking for something a little different, but like, you know, wish you the best of luck, but like, how's it going? And he writes back and he goes, "Uh, I'm on here to fuck. I'm not looking for a fucking pen pal. And I get blocked immediately. So that's how that goes for me. So you're the pen pal? I guess I was the pen pal that got fucking oh, blocked because oh. I was trying. No, no, no. This was a, it was a it was a one and done thing because someone was like, "You're so mean because you don't talk to people." And like I was like, "I don't think so." But you know what? Let's try it. Never again. Shane, I'm. I did not expect that from you. Oh wow. Me either. Don't ever expect it again because it won't happen. <laughs> okay. Well, this is how I feel about that. I am very businesslike in my communications and sometimes I'm too direct. So that would never, ever happen to me. In fact, I tell people, do not text me like that. That actually, I've already blocked you from the moment you said, good morning, block. I don't know you. Don't know you. I hate that shit. And people are like, oh, well, that's my love language. Okay, well, I'm out. I can't talk to you like that. No, I can't. What, you don't like when people text you, good morning, beautiful? No, I don't. That specifically. Yes, I hate it. Why? I think it's a waste of time. I I can't believe I just said this on the air, but I do. I think it's a waste of time. All of my new suitors don't do it. If you're going to text me about something, be like, I brought you breakfast. Ooh, I'm in love. Okay, that makes sense. I mean... I like words of affirmation. It's one of my love languages. I'm not mad at words of affirmation. You can affirm me all day long. What is upsetting me is the fact that it's just 
random good morning text, small talk, and that's it. Never once are you going to ask me to hang out. Never once are you going to even ask me how my day is going or get to know me. It's literally the driest fucking conversation followed by a good morning, beautiful text every fucking morning. I just don't understand it. Well, leading into love languages, my love language, my top two are quality time and acts of service. So I cannot... Words of affirmation make my skin crawl because I always feel it's because it's not my love language. I always feel that that person's lying, like they're trying to cover something up. So when you say good morning, beautiful, what I'm thinking is, okay, so who are you fucking last night? (laughs) Tell me right now. Sherry, you may need to unpack that because that that is a big jump. Like, is it? You might be a hurdler (laughs) because that jump was high. A what? A A hurdler. I used to be It's important for people to know what your love language is in order to communicate with you in an effective way. Mine are um, quality time and words of affirmation are my top two. So for me, it's like I love someone who's available to spend time and someone who likes to affirm me. I think words of affirmation for me are good because I have so much self-doubt as a person. So it's really helpful for people to reaffirm the things that I'm doubting about myself. Like... I always doubt how hard I work or like that I'm not doing enough. So to be with someone that's like, Oh my gosh, you're such a hard worker. Like that's all I need to really keep me going. You know, I think mine are uh, like for me from another person, it would be words of affirmation and quality time, but mine are different for other people. Like if it's from me, I'm definitely like a words of affirmation, but I'm also an access service person. Like, I don't need you doing access service for me, but I like doing them for the person that I care about. I feel like that's something a lot of people don't consider is the access service or the love languages you like to receive and the love languages you like to put out are actually two different things. So I think that's good that you bring that up because I too am an acts of service when it comes in, in gifts. Those are the ways that I give love. You said quality time is how you give love, Shane? No, acts of service and words of affirmation are my top two for like giving. Giving and receiving is quality time? Receiving would be quality time and words of affirmation. Oh, okay. So are you rejecting me when you don't answer the phone so I can hang out with you? Shane logged off. I'm just asking. What are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean? It, uh, you haven't answered the phone to know. I be calling Shane all the time. Oh, oh, are you calling me, Shane? I'm like, Shane, what are you doing? No answer. The next time I see him, it's time to record Say La Tea. Do all I right, well, let, let me yes. tell you. Let me tell you. On that note, this is no, it's no, it's no lie. I hate phone calls. I... I'm not a phone call person. I'm like, if you want to do something, you got to text me. Like, because if someone calls me, if I'm in the middle of something, like I will like silence it. And then I will notate like, Oh, let me get back to that person later. But I always forget about like phone calls. Like you got to text me mama. Okay. I'm just trying to learn how to love you, boo. That's how you love me. You text and you're me. That's a really, really great point. You need to learn how to love someone. And sometimes people reject people's love languages and it's annoying and it's rude. Like if I'm telling you this is how I like to be loved, then you need to accept that and move forward. Don't tell me that the way that I like is wrong. If you don't like it, then don't love me. I don't know what to say. All that to say, I have more than one pen pal on my hands and I just don't know. (laughs) Is it a me thing? Because it's like it happened with the first guy and I was like, hmm, that was weird that I matched with someone else, started a small talky conversation that was a little bit, you know, engaging. And we were like, let's move this to text pen paled once again. So I don't know what my problem is, but hopefully I can grow out of this phase because it's fucking annoying. Um, who else has sexuality? Shane, I feel like you're a hoe. Uh, I mean, yeah, I can talk about some sex. Um, all right. So for me this week, I thought it would be good to touch on something that I am pretty sensitive about and like care a lot about. Um, so to segue, basically this weekend, uh, is Folsom street fest in San Francisco. Um, it is a major street festival that is geared all towards being like sex positive. There are displays of like sex and sexuality, like in the streets during the street fair. It is, if you go to their website, there's a whole like FAQ on it. And it's basically like, I encourage you to like check it out like online. Like it's the whole idea behind it is like people of all types of like sex positivity come in with all different mindsets. The whole idea behind it is that regardless of like how you feel about what you're seeing, don't make a judgment on it. 
don't judge other people for what they're doing. Um, and that is under the topic of kink shaming, which I think is something that we see a lot of today, especially in social media. Um, and like the porn industry and I, it's something that like, it gets brought up from time to time. And it's always one of those things where I look at my own experiences with it, where before I like became more sex positive, which I think was a result, um, or my lack of sex positivity was a result of like upbringing and the way that sex education was taught to me. Um, I, there were definitely things that I know, like back, like freshman year of college and stuff, like I would have been like kink shaming people about it and like making judgments on people for what their kinks were and what got them off. And like, that is something that you continue to see people doing. And I, it's something that consistently like upsets me whenever I see it on like Twitter or like, you know, Instagram, whatever it may be. Um, and I saw this tweet the other day that said, uh, just FYI, like kink shaming is a very, very conservative attitude to have towards sex. And one of my followers had retweeted it and said that they, that like, oh, then I must be Candace Owens, like talking about themselves. And I was like, that is not a good take. Uh, one, um, and owning up to, to kink shaming, I think is, is, <laughs> so it's like a, a really major problem. And like, I want to open the floor to you guys. Like, what are your like opinions on the topic? I mean, I've definitely seen people kink shaming, not even just online, but we like do it even from like a young age. Right. Where like people, when we start learning about like or engaging in sexual acts, like start shaming people for the things that they like and the things that they do. And I just find it to be really weird that we're so obsessed with other people's bedroom antics. I'm like, why don't you have sex of your own? Like, what the fuck? Like, if you were having sex, like, maybe you wouldn't give a fuck about what other people were doing. Um, As someone who is currently not engaging in any type of activity with other people. I think it's repulsive that people are kink shaming. It's stupid. I do not hang out with people that are shameful toward kink. We, I want to talk about it. I may not be doing something, but I want y'all to be happy. That's how I, that's how I feel. Folsom is something that I've never personally been to myself. I really want to go. It's just never actually like worked out with scheduling. Um, but it's supposed, I mean, people who go to it say it's like the most freeing and most enlightening experience like you will ever have. It's like you leave Folsom, like having no choice, but being like sex positive and realizing that like everybody has their own like special things that make them human. And I think that like sex is one of those things that's incredibly primal for us as like a species and like with how we interact with each other. And like, I think finding someone who has like compatibility with your own interests and your own kinks is like something to be celebrated and something really beautiful. And like, can I add something to what you're saying? You're talking about kink freely because you're having the type of sex that you want to. I've also come to understand that a lot of people, they cannot have the sex that they want to because they're either queer and can't come, not saying they can't come out, but they just don't want to or whatever or they have societal like right normatives that are blocking them mm. sexually i actually have experienced that before where it's like you start to feel like embarrassed or shameful about the things you like or want to do because of these like societal norms and i think that's real sometimes it causes like a mental block where you're like i can't possibly like be okay with this, you know? I think on the on the issue of societal norms though too, like you look at the way that media portrays things as well. And I think a perfect example is like the fucking Fifty Shades of Grey series. And like that takes a very watered down version of BDSM that's not even accurate to actual BDSM culture. And it became this like cultural phenomenon, but in a way that was like, oh my God, you're reading that nasty book, that filthy book, blah, blah, blah. Like, and it was like this really like while it, well, it, it could have been that, like core. actually it was yeah, nothing, very soft core yeah but while it could have been like something that actually like enlightened people and like interested people it became this thing that like pushed more people into this like shame that like oh if people think that putting a butt plug in is fucking bdsm and is nasty and filthy then like people who are actually into 
authentic BDSM like must feel incredibly shameful of it. Like it's disgusting. I like get out of people's bedrooms, get out of their sex lives. Like it's not your business at all. Have the sex that you want to have. Be happy for people that they're having sex and they're enjoying it. They're having the sex yes. they want. It's consensual and they're happy. Be happy about them doing that. Go out because a lot of people get aren't you there. some yourself. Go ahead and flick your bean because clearly you need to. NT ways. My sexuality is about revenge porn. Scandalous. This was actually brought up to me by Amanda. So apparently there is a source that is trying to release a second part of Ray J and Kim Kardashian's sex tape. Like what the fuck? That was like 15 years ago. We don't give a fuck anymore. OnlyFans is a thing and we've moved on. We do not care. We do not care. You know that TikTok? Okay. Well, what I have to say about that is leave those people alone. They had sex and had a good time. Okay. Next. That's how you were made. That's how you got on this earth. That's where babies come from. It's not Kim Kardashian's fault that she was getting dicked down and took a video of it. Okay. Let the woman live. I, I will, I will say I don't agree with a lot of the things that Kim Kardashian does, but you know what? She made a sex tape. So what? Who cares? Who cares? Now me as Sherry, uh, I said this a little before, like a couple minutes ago, I am very conservative. I may not be doing those things, but I fight hard for the ability to. I'm very pro-choice, if you will, because just because I'm not doing it doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Definitely, if you enjoy making a little sex tape, make your little sex tape. Make it. Enjoy yourself. Make a big sex tape. Do it in 4K. Oh, now Gets it's 8K, baby. Post it's on OnlyFans. Make some money. Okay. Yeah. Do whatever you need to do. Honestly, I'm a photographer. If someone ever came to me and said, I want to do a nude shoot, I'm never saying no. Actually, most of my concepts as have you guys seen me podcast? Do you know what I look like? I look like, I don't know, someone's kindergarten teacher. But the things that I my <laughs> actual actual work accurate so description. Accurate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hate that you guys love that so much. It's quite interesting because juxtaposition is the thing. Because the things that I do in my life, the things that come out of my mouth are very R-rated. Like, what the fuck is going on there? And if someone came up to me and said, I want to do this, this shoot that's very boudoir, but like some elements of kink, I would say absolutely. Yes, absolutely. If you want to be in your power, let's do it, boo. Let's shoot it. And if you want to give that to your partner and your partner decides to exploit you because they did art for you, fuck your partner and not in the good way, in the bad way. I think a lot of That's people don't realize cool. that you can actually go to jail for rent porn now because it's a violation of people's privacy. Just because I consented to let you have an image does not mean that I consented for you to share it with the rest of the world. And if your partner is comfortable enough with you that they want to share nude photos of themselves or nude content of themselves, you owe them the respect to keep that private. And otherwise, if you don't, you could go to fucking jail. So think about that. I totally agree. Honestly, some of my friends, they send me nudes as a gift and I go, thank you so much. Wow. This some was such a too. great photo. Some of mine do too. See? I'm like, wow, you're beautiful. I love this. Yeah. Look. Like it's the human body. Like, and honestly, the female body is so pretty. It is gorgeous. so pretty. Oh, go- Why would we not look at it? Women's bodies we all like round are things. so much better looking than men's. Shane, can you agree with that? The, and we all like men here, but that's a fact. I mean, objectively, yeah, I think women's bodies are beautiful, but I'm also very partial to men's bodies. I think I'm, I, I just, I like human bodies in general. I think bodies and all shapes and sizes are beautiful and I think it should be celebrated. That's, that's definitely a thing, especially in 2021, because I also enjoy the thought of trans bodies, like someone choosing what Beautiful. they are enjoying Gorgeous. about themselves is so pretty yes. in theory and in the physical realm. And honestly, it, it's something I'm still trying to grasp because it, it blows my mind. Honestly, Sherry, I like that you bring up the point of revenge porn because I do feel like that's happening more and more often. Like you see people selling their personal content to like Pornhub and other porn sites and it's like really messed up. It's not okay. And honestly, if you want to shoot with me and you want to do something super comfortable, I am not 
I feel like so many of these photographers are predators and that's because most photographers are men. And when men look at the female body, they sexualize it. Well, I know we usually end the podcast on like a, like funny note, but I also really quick, I want to bring us full circle in the context of beautiful people. Um, going back to the Emmys, Michaela Cole, um, won the Emmy for best writer for I may destroy you. And her speech, I just wanted to like leave us with these words today because, oh my God, like it like gave me a tear whenever she was speaking it. She said, write the tale that scares you, that makes you feel uncertain, that isn't comfortable. I dare you. In a world that entices us to browse the lives of others to help us better determine how we feel about ourselves and to, in turn, feel the need to be constantly visible, for visibility these days seems to somehow equate to success, do not be afraid to disappear from it, from us for a while and see what comes to you in the silence. Like just a word, a word. Let's go straight to the countdown. Honestly, three, two, one. We, we out. out. Wow, Shane, you just really dropped Bitch. the mic there. Ah.